Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. This is a bonus episode that was recorded the afternoon of September 6th, immediately after an event called the GE Lean Mindset. I was invited to attend in person, so thank you to GE for that, as were Katie Anderson, Jamie V. Parker, and Jim Womack. So the four of us here had a chance to discuss what we heard that day. There's some background noise from the event staff tearing down the event. Um, I've done my best to edit that out, but my apologies for any noise that remains. The recordings of the day's live streamed sessions can be found on the GE YouTube channel as a playlist for the GE Lean Mindset event. You can find them on my website via leanblog.org slash leanmindset or look for a link in the show notes. Well, hi, this is Mark Graben, and we are doing uh, a debrief immediately after the GE Lean Mindset event that was held today. Maybe everyone else around the table can introduce themselves. I'm Katie Anderson. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, Jim Womack, founder of the Lean Enterprise Institute a long time ago, and happy to be here as well. Yep, and I'm Jamie V. Parker, and... um, You know, it's hard to even say what I do these days, but (laughs) definitely, definitely engaged in this conversation for sure. Absolutely. And it was uh, exciting that both, well, three of our books, uh, Jim's, Mark's, and mine, were all on the bookshelf today here at the the Lean Mindset event. And hopefully that many people will continue to learn from them as we go on. So as as an example of the the cross-pollination of industries and thinkers and people here today. It struck me earlier, Chef Wolfgang Puck, who had just been up on stage sharing his thoughts on continuous improvement, was carrying a copy of George Koenigsegger's Leading the Lean Enterprise, I believe is the title of of the book. So something I didn't think I would ever see, but I was happy to see it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I would love to uh, maybe have a little conversation here about some of the uh, themes that we heard woven in through different speakers and and experiences um, and, you know, kind of what some of those takeaways are. Um, So maybe we can can kick it off. And um, I would say I would would start it off with a conversation about the lean mindset, right? That is the, the name of the event. And definitely one of the things that I heard over and over was um, this fundamental belief with, um, vulnerability shown and displayed is that things can be better, right? So not just, you know, yeah, technically we can get better results or achievements, but at the, at the core, things can be better. We can improve um, because it's almost like the foundation. You have to believe that if you really want to go after it. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think we heard the words continuous improvement throughout the day. And then coupled with that was willingness to learn from failure and accepting that failure was part of the journey. And, you know, I brought several Daruma dolls and it makes me think about, you know, you, the fall down seven times, get up eight. It's the, the failure is the part of the journey and the embracing of that um, as the, as fundamental and foundational to continuous improvement. Well, what I found interesting about the day was that uh, GE uh, was first introduced to uh, lean thinking, if you will, uh, in the late 1980s by Shingejitsu, the Japanese ex-Toyota consultants. And talk about uh, falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up. Uh, wow, these guys uh, historically have uh, done a lot of falling down and some getting up. And now we have the uh, chairman who has just finished uh, dealing with the deconglomeration 
and uh, dealing with the debt problem uh, at GE says our path ahead is that we're going to uh, create a lean enterprise uh, based on a lean mindset. Well, that's actually a big deal because uh, this really was, along with General Motors, the iconic modern management company from the 1920s. As recently as the 90s, uh, GE was thought to have the best management system in the world. It's partly they kept saying that, but uh, a lot of people believe that. And then, goodness, uh, they just went right over the falls. So here we are on the far side of the falls, uh, getting up again. And so I found that, uh, I think, a very positive thing for the lean movement, that uh, this is uh, not what you would expect the head of GE to say over the last 20 or 25 years. And by the way, they were doing lots of Kaizen. They had an OPEX team. They were doing, doing, doing. But it really was disconnected from the fundamental mindset of the company, which was the old-fashioned uh, sort of managed, modern management, make your numbers. Uh, that's what counts. So this is uh, actually news. This is actually news. You go to a lot of conferences that aren't news. This is actually news. Uh, it turns out uh, that uh, the man really did bite the dog, and uh, we should all pay attention. Uh, and the man, by the way, in this case is Larry Culp. But uh, the issue is whether in the time that he has left, because he's been at it for a while, can create a management system that is A, lean, and B, sustainable. Okay, it's easy to uh, have lean for a moment, nanosecond lean. Uh, it's hard to be both lean and sustainable. And uh, boy, I'm rooting for them. Uh, I was delighted to be here. I was delighted to hear Larry's sort of characterization of where they are, where they need to go. And then all these other interesting people who are doing all kinds of things. Well, I think, you know, to me, one of those interesting people um, was Jim Farley, who, who joined uh, via video from uh, Dearborn, where he's dealing with the latest uh, contract negotiations. So he wasn't able to be here in person. But I really appreciated what he shared. And it, 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 Jim, when you were talking about, you know, GE learned about lean concepts a long time ago, so did Ford. You know, um, I, I know they were taking trips to Japan with the UAW in the 1980s to go and see and learn. And um, Jim Farley, I think, characterized that they're fairly early in their lean journey. Um, he might be the fourth consecutive CEO to be saying that. So it's interesting of, well, what would be different this time? Will it be deeper and more sustainable, you know, with his background from Toyota? Absolutely. So are they learning from the, the failures or the things that have not yet worked? And what are they doing differently this time? Yeah. Well, when we wrote the Machine That Changed the World book, which is now 33 years ago, we were actually quite complimentary about Ford, that they had really done some things. And uh, the thought was that they were just getting started, but they could really continue. And then, poof, just fell apart. Lots of lean actions, no lean mindset, no management mindset, reverted to the traditional Ford thing, um, which was a kind of a Ford's imitation of GM as a management system. So then uh, they bumped along, they bumped along, they went through CEOs, they got Alan Mulally. And Alan was a good guy. And Jim Morgan uh, helped him uh, figure out the product development system. And off they went, and suddenly they're looking good. And then Alan uh, said, gosh, uh, I'm getting old, uh, and I've, we're here at the top of the game. I think I'm uh, going to go play tennis or whatever. 
And uh, what do you know? Uh, so that many of the problems Ford's had in the last couple of years are, if you will, failure to launch. Uh, they're late, they're over budget, and they got big problems. And that was all stuff that it looked like uh, they had actually kind of got a grip on uh, 10, 15 years ago. So here we are, another case of is it sustainable? And uh, Jim is, uh, you know, he's an interesting guy that he was a sales guy at Ford, at uh, Toyota. Um, and there was the Lexus uh, kind of brand uh, guy. And he's the guy who's now trying to bring a process focus uh, from what's typically the least process focused part of a business, the salespeople. Uh, so let's all wish him luck. Uh, it's uh, not just the UAW agreement in the next couple of weeks, uh, but it's the... <clears throat> Situation they're trying to transform from one industrial technology paradigm to another. It takes a lot of money. Uh, they've recently been making some money. Union looks at it and says, wait a minute, that's our money. Management looks at it and says, we can't make this transition except from internal profits because no one's going to loan us enough money to really do this. And then Elon Musk, of course, is just laughing and says, gee, I think I'll just cut the cost by 30%. Uh, and just watch the fun. And by the way, he would be willing to sacrifice short-term profits. Um, he doesn't have anybody who's really threatening him. Uh, so this is a, a very uh, tough time, a really good time to be really lean. But uh, we will see whether they can be really sustainably lean. I mean, one, one thing Jim Farley said was lean is such a big bet for us, it's non-negotiable. And, you know, this, this might be different than some of the approach taken before. He talked about really, you know, evaluating their top 500 leaders. You know, can, are there, there are certain behaviors um, you need to model? Probably building upon what Alan Mulally started around celebrating red, or at least admitting red, you know, first. Um, you know, basically said, you know, this is non-negotiable. If you cannot or will not lead this way, we will show you a way out the door. It'll be interesting to see what effect yeah. that has. It was uh, non-negotiable under Allen as well, just uh, to be noted. So look, uh, hey, bless the guy. Good luck. We all need uh, some CEOs to do the right thing uh, in a sustainable way. So uh, I'm rooting for him. It's just uh, saying this is a tough game. Well, it speaks to how challenging it is to really change not just mindset, but, but behavior, because our habits are so ingrained in what's led to earlier success. You know, that's, that's a hard shift for a lot of leaders in, in, at all levels to make as well, especially in a time of crisis or feeling the pressure externally. And, and I think speaking of crisis, one of the other leaders who was here today, uh, Patty Poppy, who uh, had roots in the auto industry in uh, Michigan, then with an energy company, and um, became CEO of PG&E in the aftermath of their disasters and California wildfires and lawsuits and bankruptcy. And, you know, she referred to, to Lean as their, their turnaround recovery, like not as a, a financial turnaround, but an operational turnaround. And, you know, and shared some really compelling examples of using um, A3 problem solving to really dramatically reduce the number of fires being started and applying, you know, I, I think she described it like they're not just doing a lot of problem solving training in some theoretical way. They're applying 
what they're trying to get better at to their most meaningful problems for them and people in California. I was struck by the long shadow of the car industry on this lean thing, of course, from the very beginning. She spent 15 years at GM, was a very successful manager at a time that GM was just trying and trying to get in gear. Uh, But she learned uh, a whole lot of lean lessons. And then circumstance was her friend. Uh, because uh, if PG&E hadn't uh, augured in, uh, they wouldn't have been looking for a CEO. And suddenly, here she was at a time of crisis, so people are going to pay attention. And it's a terrible crisis. They're burning down the state, right? Whoa, how big a, you know, how, how, how much crisis do you need? Uh, boy, I thought she made a terrifically uh, persuasive case, though, for what she's trying to do. Um, I, I put her in the new category of uh, lean people worth listening to because I really didn't know her story and knew vaguely that she'd been at GM. Uh, but I thought, wow, uh, here is uh, you know, somebody who really has uh, picked up the thread, speaking of threads and warp and weft and so forth, um, that um, uh, fantastic. I am so delighted that uh, it uh, is still uh, reappearing in different places with different manifestations, but uh, there's still life to it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I thought was really interesting, too, about it, when Patty was sharing and, you know, she told this story and some significant savings and things through problem solving, there was this um, absolute kind of uh, overarching idea, which is that we do important work here and recognizing for all of the, the employees out in the field working that um, there's a connection. So it's not just this like problem solving to make this business better, but they're, you know, recognizing that, hey, when we, when we improve, when we solve problems, when we make things better, you know, it's going to make energy more affordable for our neighbors, it's going to prevent fires. It's going to it's going to save lives, um, and it really felt like you know this, there was a, be, a really strong connection to purpose and um, I guess the, just the contributions the teams were making. Absolutely, she. I mean, she talked about love at work, and that was about how the connection to purpose. It's not just improving process, but how do we have a real human connection? That's what I took away yeah. uh, from her on that. You know, the the audience all gasped. <laughs> Particularly all the guys love what? at work. We thought we were told you can't. <laughs> anyway, but uh, I think uh, she meant something different. No, but look, what, what was uh, interesting about her gimba was that, and by the way, it does feel like uh, many people just fundamentally don't understand this. The CEO goes and does gimba. What she was doing was acknowledging their contribution, their humanity. Uh, she wasn't there telling them what to do. I've been on lots of gimbal with CEOs who just took tremendous pleasure in on-the-spot solving somebody's problem five levels down. Uh, This should be illegal. No CEO should be allowed to do that. Uh, To go around and give everybody a hug and say what you're doing is actually important for civilization, which is what she said, Um, and I'm with you, and I'm going to try to enable you. By the way, what else do you think you need to do? That's just very different from the old top-down command control CEO who goes around uh, shouting. Absolutely. And they've created the structure to enable executives and leaders to go to Gemba. You know, Mondays are the day that they go out to the field. It's field day. And I've worked in some other organizations where we created that structure that 
facilitated leaders to get out to Gemba because one of the barriers is, you know, the packed schedules. So there might be a desire there. So how do we create those systems and structures mm -hmm. that support those very right. behaviors that we need? Right. And, and what Lisa Urien was talking about at the Cleveland Clinic was that every morning uh, there is sacred time. At the team level, don't bother me from 7 to 7.15. No meetings, no interruptions. Our team is just going to say, what went wrong yesterday? How are we going to prevent it from happening today? And then it escalates up. And finally, you get to the CEO at 10 o'clock in the morning, who, by the way, has penciled in. I need 15 minutes to uh, deal with those issues that have been escalated all the way to the top. Wow. That means uh, don't do your email. Don't be on the far side of the world. Uh, don't whatever, because there's all this important stuff, of course, that you need to be doing. But instead, you have a time for all to share uh, their struggles, their problems, uh, to suggest their own countermeasures. And uh, then all they need is for that senior leader sometimes to say, okay, it sounds like you've really done a good job, uh, go with it. Or sometimes you have to say, well, we have to study it some more, but still. Um, that's different from what most companies have worked. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to connect the dot from the word struggle back to something that Carol Dweck shared with us, um, author of the book Mindsets, uh, Stanford professor who is here today. And, and, and she shared the idea that people at work should share their struggles, um, that it really helps transform a culture from that fixed mindset to uh, a growth mindset of acknowledging um, whether we're using words like mistakes or failures that came up a lot today. The word struggles came up. And just to acknowledge that anything meaningful comes with struggle and we shouldn't ignore that. We shouldn't be afraid to bring it up. And, um, you know, I think that that, that that was one theme back to everybody, including Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks, basically articulating you know, his own growth mindset. So I just love seeing those different threads coming up throughout the day. Uh, and, that, and sharing your own struggles connects back to the humility, right? So it can't just be the leader, the executive saying, we shall be lean now, but what does that really mean on an individual le uh, level? And how do leaders embody those same uh, behaviors and, and mindsets that they're asking others to do that? And starting with your own struggles is, is it one, not easy way, because it may not be easy, but one, you know, accelerant to creating that culture where it's okay to bring up the failures and ask for reds, because if you're sharing that yourself. But look, the first time that someone brings up something and uh, they get shot uh, is the last time that anybody will bring up something, okay? And look, it's so easy. Many of these, uh, imagine PG&E, the forest is on fire, and it's our fault. Uh, and uh, somebody stands up and says, you know, this is our fault. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is real. <laughs> We're going to go to jail. Um, and so easy for the leader uh, to suppress that and to say, well, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, you didn't have to bring that problem up. Did you have to bring that up? Okay. So, therefore, it uh, takes a long, long time to build up the credibility that uh, struggles are going to be embraced, that um, mistakes are going to be analyzed uh, and used for learning, as opposed for punishment or ridicule or whatever. And I don't know what the half-life of <clears throat> a good act versus the half-life of a bad act is, 
But uh, certainly in the case of penalizing someone for having spoken the truth, having pointed out the issue that about the elephant in the room that no one else uh, wanted to talk about, it's a long time to recover uh, if you do that. Um, so uh, let us hope that um, we all basically can agree with that. Yeah. And I think, too, sometimes we think that, you know, on this one side, there's the penalizing or, you know, like kind of that type of reaction. Um, but there's also this middle ground neutral neutral, or what we think. We're trying to create the space where people can talk about it, but we jump in and give the answer. <laughs> right? Oh, oh, well, you can just do this. Um, and that actually can have that same negative effect here because I'm bringing up the struggle and it's not that there's empathy. It's not that there's space for me to work through this struggle as much as it's, you know, you're almost downplaying the struggle. Oh, just do this. And it's not a problem. And that can, can actually depress uh, future share, struggle sharing as well. Well, absolutely. So that listening and then the providing the empathy, which you know, several of the speakers talked about today is like, how do you show up in that emp- empathetic way without, you know, jumping in? Mm-hmm. And I think Dara even um, talked about listening and how we probably don't do enough to get better at listening. Right? You talked about, I think, classes. Like, oh, you can do all the, the MBA classes on these. Where do you learn how to listen effectively? So many there's so many reflections. My brain is just full from this day of d- dynamic and insightful uh, leaders, you know, uh, sharing reflections. And I suppose that's, you know, another component of, of so many people talk today, the importance of reflection and studying and uh, that that's the, you know, the critical. I thought there was another piece that no one ever said anything about, but uh, Larry Culp is a guy who loves to have a conversation. It's really interesting. I mean, this guy's the CEO of a very big company. Uh, has done some super heavy lifting, and I've talked with him uh, about other things. And you think, wow, uh, what's so unusual? He actually enjoys listening. Whoa, what's wrong with this guy? You know, how did he ever get anywhere? And that's all of our, you know, the leader is supposed to have the answer. And then let's just have a conversation. It doesn't have to be so totally structured. We don't have to look at our watches all the time. Uh, you say, gee, what are your struggles? Well, tell me about it. And, okay, I've got the answer. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't have the answer, but uh, say, how can I help? Uh, so that's, uh, I, I was very impressed uh, with the fact that uh, he's a good listener, that he actually likes to have a real conversation, and he didn't give anybody the answer to anything. No. Whoa, I'll take that. When I was had a fireside chat with Larry at the AME conference last year, you know, I asked him about some of the big changes he had to make to become a more effective leader. And he said he had to toss out everything that he learned in his MBA program, and it was to learn to ask better questions and to listen and then to go see. And so those those very same things that we're we're talking about, it's it's clear he has a natural um, desire to connect with people, and he's put a lot of practice into those questions and listening. And so he's the right right one to be leading this change. He's really modeling that way. So this is the immediate post-game yeah. show. Yes. You <laughs> might, people might be able to hear as things are being taken oh, yes. apart and moved. And, uh, yeah, we're in the space. We'll, 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 we'll have the opportunity. I, I know like, on my way home, I'm going to have a better opportunity to reflect and, and go through all the things that were shared today and these, these common themes, and we, we can get together and, and, and talk about there's so much more we could recount, but my brain is. Totally. Uh, you know, the one thing that I'll leave everyone with is the same thing that Carol Dweck left us with was the challenge 
to do something that the person we want to be would do. So even if it feels like something we're uncomfortable with or a little scared by, just go step into that because it's through that that you will become that person you want to be. And I thought that that was a really um, good challenge to all of us. Model, model your, uh, channel your Mr. Yoshino. That's true. Model, model the way to continuous learning. He really stepped into what he wanted to be. And uh, that's not easy. Seems so obvious, but uh, how many of us really do that? You know? And a lot of struggle so, along the way. A lot of struggle along the way. You and perseverance it. and patience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, the yeah. people mostly don't put in books. That's right. Here's something I tried. It was a total failure. <laughs> Here's what I learned. <laughs> well, and even for Mr. Yoshino, talking about failure uh, was hard when he got to the root, uh, you know, getting down into the emotional aspect. Mm -hmm. And so for us to be able to be vulnerable in trusting relationships... It can be so powerful in the night to be able to learn from each other's failures and struggles. As he says, there is no failure if you learn from it. So I think that was echoed today as well. Yep. Ziana said there, there was no failure, only learning, only stepping stones to success. Um, but, you know, I think one other reflection I had, though, from you know, going back and rewatching the video and, and hearing his conversation with Larry, I think there's a distinction between, I, I think it would be okay to say, I failed. Depends on what your expectation was, and is there a gap? It's different than being called a failure, uh, right? So, I mean, that maybe comes back to, let's say, an unhelpful fixed mindset of I am a failure, as opposed to we failed, but we're going to keep moving forward and keep trying and moving forward. And, you know, I think that's just, you know, really powerful. As you said, like, not, not even Michael Jordan won the championship every year. The NBA is incredibly competitive. Um, so I think there's, there's a story around you know, resiliency of getting knocked down, bouncing back up, and, and spending the offseason training even harder to prepare for that next season. I really admire that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he said, um, we didn't hit the goal, but we're not a failure. Yes, <laughs> yes. Something like that, right? I, well, and I think you're right. That, the, the, the fixed mindset is you are the thing versus the, the process. And I loved he also said every year I'm like trying to get back on the team. If you always think that you're the best, then you're never going to keep improving. Yeah, but look, the generalized thing to take away here at the end, uh, you look at our lean movement and you could say we've had a fair bit of failure. And today I thought it was a real bounce back day. Okay. Here's an important guy doing important work. Uh, and some other important people doing important work uh, and talking uh, in a way that we approve of and we have another chance to get people to listen. Mm -hmm. So let us learn from our failures. Here we have the bounce back moment. Let's see what we can do here in the second half or wherever we are in the game and, um, you know, just keep on moving. Keep on keeping on, as I've heard you oh, yeah. advise yeah. many times, Jim. Keep on trying, trying and continuously improving and learning from our failures and successes. Well, those are great words to uh, end our immediate post the lean mindset debrief uh, with Jamie Parker, Jim Womack, Mark Rabin, and myself, Katie Anderson. Thank you to GE for inviting us all to the event, the GE Lean Mindset. Again, look for a link to the videos in the show notes, or you can go to www.leanblog.org slash lean mindset. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. 
for lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.